0: All right, so Romans 16. Uh, I'm just going to read the first part of this, and you're going to be like, why is he reading all these names to me? Well, because it's recorded in the Bible. That's why I'm reading them all to you, and we'll go from there. So uh, the first of the, uh, well, let's just read it. So Romans 16, and verse 20, He says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. So remember, Romans 15 was like, he was landing it, he was giving you all the basic instructions, the things that he may have forgot, and so now it's just like he's sending this thing off. Uh which is uh, the church of Centuria, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a secure of many and of myself also. So he's like, hey, this gal, uh, you need to receive her into the church. That's We talked about this last week. That's where we get our, you know, receiving people uh, a, of membership, you know, and being a part of the local New Testament church. This is where we get that from. Um, great per, verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Jesus Christ. you remember them from the book of Acts. They were tent makers with Paul. Uh, they're very key people. Uh, you'll find out later that they have a church in their house. They've had a church in their house and everywhere that they've went. So uh, they're, they're key people in the body of Christ. Uh, who, verse 4, from my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also uh, all the churches of the Gentiles. These guys uh, risked their lives hiding Paul when everybody wanted to kill him, right? Uh, back in the book of Acts. So he's like, hey, these guys, uh, they didn't just you know, say they wanted help. They were willing to risk their lives for me. Uh, verse five. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. You know, so hey, there's something going on there. Salute my well beloved uh, Ephemmetis, um, who is the first fruits of Achaia under Christ. Uh, I was reading this again this morning, and it's like this guy. This guy was the first guy that got saved uh, in that area, and I don't know if you know, but if you talk to some of these missionaries who you know come through here or there, you know, talk to Brian Clark. He's been a missionary to London for gosh, I can't even. How many years has he been there now? Probably Fifteen or twenty. Well, she was she was born here, though. So anyway, they've been there like 15 or 20 years, right? And he'll tell you they were there for years before the first person got saved. So I was thinking about this this morning as I was reading back through this. I'm like, you know, there's a reason he throws this guy's name in there because sometimes when you go to a field and you're the new guy, right, uh, it's years before you have any fruit. And so this guy was the first guy. And sometimes it's like dominoes after that. And, you know, people start to get saved. And uh, I think of... Uh, Man, what was the guy's name? You guys might not know. I like seven years. Yeah. Uh, He's uh, been in undisclosed region, that guy I'm actually thinking, I know what you're talking about. I'm thinking of uh, the missionary uh, to Burma way back when, and he spent his entire life there. His wife went crazy, like literally went crazy, uh, and like didn't see anybody get saved until his wife and all of his kids died. And then this was like way back when I read a book about him. Uh, Man, I can't remember the guy's name. That's, but, yeah, that's who I'm talking oh. About. We had a kid come here. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I was in the Abama area. Anyway, so sorry. Some of you guys are tracking, with some of you guys are like you're speaking Spanish to me. But uh, anyway. Uh, One of the conferences in Midtown a couple years ago. Yeah. Anyway. Like eight years yeah. So when I yeah when I read this and I'm like he's this guy says he was the first fruits of a K like that means something to him like the first guy that actually got saved while he was on the field so anyway. Just going out there. Trying to make some sort of sense of why all these names are in here. Like, there's a reason that Paul, in the end of this letter, is, is throwing all these guys' names out there. Do, 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 where was I at? Um, verse 6. Verse six. Uh, great Mary, who bestowed much labor upon us, slew uh, Androniacus and, and Juniah, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. So these guys spent time in prison with them, uh, who are of note of uh, the apostles uh, who were also uh, were in Christ before me. Uh, greet Amphilis, uh my beloved uh, in the Lord. Salute Urbane, my helper in Christ. And uh, Stachys, my beloved. Salute uh, Apilius, Apilius uh, approved in Christ. Salute them which are uh, of Aristobulus household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that are in the household of Narcissus. Uh, which are in the Lord. Salute Tropheneus and Trophi- Trophosa. I can't read these names. Uh, who labor in the Lord. Salute uh, the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Uh, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother in mine. Salute uh, Isen, Is- Cretus, Phlegon, Hermes, uh, Patrobus, Hermes, and my brother, which are with them. Salute Philo. August, I don't know, and Julia, uh, Nereus, uh, and his sister, and Olympius, and all the saints which are with them, salute one another with the holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. So he lists all these names, and we read this last week. So I'm just kind of trying to get your mind wrapped right around it. He lists all these names, and you're like, okay, I kind of i am tracking with some of that. But think about this just for a minute, and we we'll, and we'll move on. Paul was a lost guy who was persecuting the church, right? I mean, he was killing people for Christ. He gets saved on the road to Damascus. Go back to the book of Acts and you can read that. Uh, his life has radically changed and he's a Gentile to the apostles. or He's, he's an apostle to the Gentiles. My words are all twisted up. Right? He's like the first missionary. Him and Barnabas go out uh, to places that people have never uh, heard the gospel and he basically gives his life to Uh, the Lord, right? He gives us life to being a missionary. And so you think about some of these missionaries who come through and they're like, hey, I feel like I'm called to this area or that area. And, you know, you hear about these people that go to India or Nepal or, you know, these unreached places. Um, So Paul goes and he does that. And these are the people he met along the way. Like, you meet a lot of people. Like, I've been to India a couple times. I've been to Nepal a couple times. I've met a lot of people, right? And I don't know any other names, right? But I know faces, Right. Lauren spent uh, how many months? Was it? Yeah, she spent almost a year in India, right? And so these are the people, the relationships that you, that you built along the way. And so this is his way, of, this is his, uh, his thesis on salvation. And he's like, hey, I want to make sure these people know that I remember them. So there's a reason this is all in there. So then in verse 17, right? So... There was three closings of the book of Romans. There was the doctrinal closing, which starts in verse 17, right? And so that's what we're going to pick up right now. That's what we talked about last week. I'm just going to review this and we're going to move on, right? So he says all these names and he's like, he could have ended the book right there, but then he's like, Oh yeah, I got something else to say because he's Paul. He's always got something else to say. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions. Well, why is he preaching again? Right? He's like, I thought we were saying bye. And now here he's preaching again. He's marked them, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. We talked about this all last week, right? So you need to be paying attention to you know people. And it's, he doesn't say just like shun them, but you need to mark them. Go back and listen to the audio from last week. I don't want to reteach this, but there's there's a uh, there's a there's a pattern here. First, you mark them then you avoid them, right? You don't just avoid people because you don't like them, but you mark them, and why? Because you don't like them? No, there's a reason. He says, because they're contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, right? Just because they don't like to hang out with you on the weekends doesn't mean anything, right? If they're preaching some sort of false doctrine, though, there's there's an issue. And so go back and catch the audio on that if you want to. But see, he says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which uh, cause divisions and uh, offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them, for they... Uh, That are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, uh, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Right? That's what people do. They're trying, the the adversary's got people out there, they're just trying to muddy this thing up. For your obedience, verse 19, has come abroad unto uh, all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all amen. So that's like a second conclusion. And I know that's the first one I've given you, but that's like a second one. And there was some stuff there, and I'll just kind of give you the few things I have last week, but that verse where he says that um Uh, verse 20 and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly like there's there's a lot of doctrinal stuff there but I'm going to try to you know simplify this thing up and basically what Paul's trying to say is I understand that there's an adversary and you don't always feel like you're living victorious right that's basically what he's trying to say I understand that you know you've got Christ and you guys are saved but I don't know about you there's a lot of days that you know I'm saved because you don't lose your salvation that I don't feel all that victorious in life, right? There's a lot of days that I know that I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me, but I still feel like the world is against me, right? Like There's a lot of days that I feel like it doesn't matter what I do or what I say. Even the people closest to me are like, it's just things are not jiving and this is not making sense. That's what he's trying to say is, hey, I want you to understand that like, you're victorious no matter what. Right and and your feet will bruise his head very shortly. Right, that's basically what he's saying. And there's a lot of doctrinal, like end times kind of stuff in there. But what he's trying to say is, man, you're going to bruise him. You have power over the adversary. There's days that it doesn't feel like it, but you do. And so I had four things. I'm just going to read them to you because this is where we finished up last week, and then we're getting some new stuff. So there's four things Satan cannot do. Right. There's four things. I had a different. List and I was I changed it so it's all squirgled. This That's why I usually like, use my computer. Uh, there's four things Satan cannot do. You feel like he's got like control of your life, or you know. Uh, there's four things Satan cannot do. The first one, he cannot take the peace of a born again believer. He can't, right? Yeah, you might be like, well, I'm telling you, I'm born again and I don't have no peace. Well, that has nothing to do other than with you, right? Like you're the one who decides if you have peace or not. At the end of the day, you are your your world might be a mess. You get to decide if you've got peace or not. Because peace has nothing to do with circumstances. Peace is with Christ. right? Satan can't take that. It doesn't matter. He can't take the peace of a born-again believer. The second thing, he cannot take your life before its time. It might seem like it, but ask Job. He can't take your life before its time. He can't do it. The third thing, he can't make your decisions for you. Now, this is where it gets kind of, uh, funny or gray, even though there are no gray areas in the Bible, but people want to tell you it's gray is, you know, the adversary, you know, made me do it or the, no, the adversary gave you every opportunity to do it. You got to decide whether you did it or not. You know, it doesn't matter, uh, young or old, right? I, I would like to say, man, I'm going through this with, you know, teenagers right now, but uh, we're going through this in life right now. Everybody goes through this, right? Uh, you get to decide whether you do the right thing or the wrong thing you get to decide whether you, you do what you know you need to do or you don't that's on you like Satan can't he can give you every temptation in the world and he will I promise you get to decide whether you take it or not right yeah, Satan he cannot make a decision for you and the last thing he cannot do there's probably other things but these have just made a nice little list right uh, he cannot get you into hell once you're in Christ you might feel like you've lost your salvation you might feel like you've lost your way you might feel like you know what uh, I don't even know if what happened years ago in my life uh, really happened. I'm telling you, once you're saved, you can't lose it, and he cannot get you into hell once you're there. Like this, you know, God has two wills for your life. What is it, right? If you're lost, it's to be saved, and if you're saved, it's to be sanctified, right? That's that's God's will for your life. Yeah, you know, the adversary has two different wills, right? It is to keep you from getting saved if you're lost, and he'll do that by tempting you in every way that he can and giving you everything the world has to offer. But once you get saved, the adversary already knows you cannot lose your He knows that, right? Like he, he knows more Bible than you'll ever know. Like That's just the truth of the matter. So if you're saved, what's his one goal after that? What is, what is Satan's will for your life after that? It's to keep you from getting involved. It's to keep you from getting the gospel any farther than what it's went. He knows you can't lose your salvation. He might make you doubt it. But his goal is to keep you out of the local New Testament church because what happens there? Right? The work of God happens at the church. You know, I understand. There's the, you know, there's the people that are like, I don't need the church. I can serve God on my own. You're right. You can, uh, but just tell me how much you're getting done because generally you don't get very far. I understand. Like I was there. I, I, I lived that. life. it was like um, I don't need the church, right? Okay. Well, the, the church is where God gets His work done. It just is, and I get it. There's bad churches. I, you're preaching to the choir again, but. When you find a good church that's preaching the Bible, that's doing the work of God, that's where God works. And so the adversary is all about keeping you out of that. Not just keeping you out of church, but keeping you out of the will of God, which is what? To be sanctified. right? And so you have to understand, from the beginning of the Bible to the end you know, there's this battle going on and it's you know, it's a battle between God and Satan. It's just the way that it is. And, you know, some people are like, Well that sounds a little cliche. Well, that's kind of what the Bible is and so not cliche, but that's I mean, it's it's just a battle. You know, God's got a purpose, He's got a plan, and it's he's gonna get it done. Right? So where do you fit into that? That's the whole question. So those are four things Satan cannot do. So that's the first kind of closing. That's kind of the doctrinal closing. That's the last quote unquote teaching that Paul does in the book of Romans. Right, he had one last thing to tell you hey make sure you mark them you avoid them and you have power over the adversary that's the last teaching that's kind of the doctrinal closing <laughs> excuse me the second closing would just kind of be a personal closing this is what most people know of Romans uh, 16 I asked you guys last week when you think of Romans 16 what do you think of man that's a lot of names right there's a lot going on and so uh, this would be like the first 16 verses what we already read and then he picks it back up again in verse 21 because Paul's like oh yeah there's a couple other people you need to hear about right So in verse 21, he's like Timotheus, right? Timothy. You know, we always say you need to have a Paul in your life, somebody you're learning from. You should have a Timothy in your life, somebody you're investing in. There's that Paul and Timothy kind of relationship. Uh, But you should also always have kind of a Barnabas in your life, somebody that is like with you in the ministry because Paul and Barnabas, they were all in the field together. You should always have those kinds of people in your life, somebody you're learning from, somebody you're investing into, but also somebody that's just going through it with you. I remember, you know, talking about how great hbi was i remember going through hbi uh and it was it was a brutal time like i loved it but like i was working 90 hours a week some weeks i mean we were working i mean it was never less than 60 you know and i was taking full load and uh i remember at the time like tyler skulls and he's kind of become that again in my life because i work with him every day but like he was like my barnabas in ministry we were just going through it together we worked in the same field we were both you know totally ignorant to what the Bible had to say and we were trying to do this thing just because God had called us to do it. So you should always have those people in your life. And so if you're like, man, I've got somebody I'm learning from, but who am I investing in? Like, that's just a a call to you. Like, if you don't have anybody, find somebody. Invest in them. Invest the Word of God into somebody. Into some buddies. And so I'm hopefully going to give you some opportunities to do that as we jump into our next study, but I'm still trying to work all that out. So uh, just kind of a... Peek behind the curtain on that. So anyway, so he says Timotheus, So that, he's, that's Timothy, right? My work fellow. Notice that at this point in his life, he, he's almost become like a co-laborer. He's not just somebody he's investing in, but he's somebody he's a work fellow. And Lucius and Jason, not me. I promise, uh, I'm not that old. Uh, and and Sosa, so, how do you say that page? No so, Try. So, so Peter. There you go. Sosa so Fader. Okay, that guy. My kinsmen salute you. So these guys, the, the first whole list of people are people that were in Rome uh, that he was writing to. These guys are with him uh, while he's writing this, or at least around where he's at, right? So he says, Timotheus, my work fellow, Lucius, Jason, uh, Sosa, Butter, uh, not a P, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, my kinsmen salute you. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot. Verse 22, he says, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, now that's not like... A contradiction in your Bible. Paul wrote the book of Romans. Tertius is the one who penned it. So basically, Paul said it. This guy penned it down. Uh, it's also a really good picture of you know how your Bible was. Uh, kept in the Old Testament, right? Uh, Somebody would speak it and, you know, that's just how it works. But anyway, uh, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salutes you in the Lord. So this guy's like, uh, I need to get, you know, my throw in out there that, hey, I want to make sure you guys know that, you know, I was in on this. Uh, Gaius, mine host, so the guy that, you know, they're staying with this whole time, and the whole church saluteth you. Uh, Aristus, uh, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you, And, and Cortus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen, right? So it's like, again, he's done. Well, not quite, right? So that's this. That's kind of like his second closing, right? You could have put that right on the end of you know the first 16 verses, and it's just a bunch of names. But there's a reason that these are all in there, right? Paul wanted the people in Rome to know that, hey, these guys that I've been investing in, now they're doing the work, right? They're here with me on the field, and we're striving to get there. We're going to get to Rome. And so these guys' names, th- this is kind of like his personal closing, you know, there's not a lot to say about this other than, man, do you have people in your life that you're in the ministry with? That like, if you were writing a letter, right? Like Lauren when she was in India, right? Or just picture yourself as uh, as a missionary somewhere, right? You go and, and you're serving the Lord. You've been there for a long time, and you know you're writing back to the church. And it's like, you know, I know, obviously, we pick up our iPhone and we just call because you can do that now, which is crazy. But you know, back in the day, you had to write. So you're writing. and It's like. Are things good with you? Yeah, things are great. Well, but what else are you going to say, right? It's not just like you know, Paige and I go to the mission field. It's not just like, oh yeah, Paige is good. Like, hopefully, we've got like people. We like, hey, there's these people that we're ministering with, and they they want to say, hey too, right? These guys that don't even know you, but they know that you're in the Lord, and you know, who do you have in your life that it's just like you wouldn't be able to. Say, hey, this is what's going on, without saying, hey, these these people are what's going on. You know, you should have that in your life, in your ministry, and in, in what you're doing. And if you don't, you know, again, I'm not like saying, well, you don't have it going on, but I'm just like, there's a reason that Paul's saying these things. You need to have these people that you're so tied up in ministry with that, you know, it's cool to have a, a personal life. Like it's cool to you know have people that you do stuff with uh, outside of of church. But it was it was very. Quickly clear to Paige and I once we got saved. You know, it seems like an eternity ago now. Was it 13, 14 years ago? I don't even remember. It's been a long time. but like the things that we did outside of church, uh, they they didn't really line up. And so now we were um, the things that we do outside of church are with the people of the church. It's the people of the body of Christ, and that's it's just how we that's what we do, right? And it's it's ministry, and you can't you can't break away what we do af- apart from the people of the ministry because the ministry isn't just inside the four walls of the church in case you didn't know that I know you guys know that but like ministry happens more at our house than it does uh, here right it's just the way it works man Uh, there's nothing better than sitting at the kitchen table uh, you know just talking life you know we're discipling uh, Nick and Kendra right now and like They come over And we eat dinner Because you know That's how Paige loves on people That's one of the ways Paige loves on people She feeds them Way too much food Uh, And so uh, (laughs) It's never too much Anyway and, And we sit down And it's like It never fails Like four hours later go by and it's like oh yeah we probably ought to like get into the books and so then it's another three hours and it is no wonder it's one o'clock every night when they leave our house this is the way it works and you know it's it's like that with anybody that we've discipled because it's not always about like okay you're here now we've got to get the bible out you know it that's not how it is it's just we talk life well, we live life together we talk about you know what god's doing in our lives and how it affects our daily lives and like that's ministry and that's what paul's talking about he's like hey I can't tell you what's happening in life, or what's happening without telling you about the people it's happening with. You know, people can't say, "Hey, what's going on in the Passpoint Ministry?" without me being like, "You know, this is." A lot of times, people are like, "Hey, what are you teaching through?" You know, I went to the uh, baseball game last night with my brother. I hadn't seen him in a while. He's like, "Hey, what are you teaching through?" Uh, Well, we're finishing up Romans, but you can't just say that without talking about like what God's doing in the lives of the people because of the study. It's like that's the way it works, you know. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, you should have those relationships, and if you don't, uh, you should strive to have those relationships because that's what the body of Christ is. It's not just about. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't like go run to Brian and be like he. It's not just about the Bible. You know, but it's about you know how you invest the Word of God into the lives of people and how it changes their lives because of it. right? And, and so sometimes the best discipleship we've ever had, we never opened the book. And it wasn't because we just taught a bunch of false doctrine. It's just because, you know what, some nights what people need, and I'm not talking about Nick and Kendra at this point, we've discipled a lot of people. Sometimes what people need is just to talk about what they're going through. It's to talk about, hey, this is what's going on at work, and I'm struggling with it, and I don't know what to do, and it's just like talking life, right? That's sometimes the best of what you're ever going to get. Now, if that's all that ever happens, then things are out of balance. But what I'm saying is, you need to understand that living life with people, like Paul was doing right here, like it, it spills into everything that you say, everything that you do, right? And so that's that's why these names are in here. So don't just read them and be like, oh my gosh, what is he talking about? There's a reason that this stuff's happening. So anyway, that's kind of his, his personal closing. And so here's the last thing. Paul's like, I got one last thing to say. And there's a reason that he does this after doing it. So there's a fancy word for this and it's called doxology, right? And so that word simply means uh, it, it's, it's a statement ascribing glory to God. Right, and so I didn't know any other way to say it other than just to give you the fancy word, right? But Paul's like, I just gave you like my doctrinal thesis, if you like fancy words, uh, on salvation. Like that's what the book of Romans is. It's on how you were lost, whether you like it or not, uh, how you were completely wicked, uh, how God made a way for you how you had to realize that uh, you were as bad as you really were before you could understand that God is as good as He was. Like, all through salvation, that's what the book of Romans is, right? How to deal with the battle of the flesh as opposed to the Christ that lives inside of you and how to walk that out daily. You know, how the nation of Israel fits into all that. Everything that He just said, right? The entire book of Romans, and He's like, I got one last thing I need to say. It's all because of God, right? At the end of life, like... I've always said this but like we always wonder like what's my tombstone gonna say? like man it, it, it better say something about like a servant of the Lord or something along those lines because like that's the only thing that at the end of the day I'm worried about. like I love being a husband like I really do. Uh, I love being a father. I really do even though sometimes it drives me crazy right Some certain seasons of life you know I, I, I love all of those things. I love serving God way more than all of that. Like, because none of that would matter if I wasn't, right? I think back to the years that I wasted when I was lost, and it was just like, man, they were for real wasted years. Like, it's nuts. And so Paul's like, I got one last thing to say. It's all because of God, right? And so he says, now to him that is of power to establish you. Well, who is that? It's not anybody other than Christ. He's the only person that has the power to establish you. We'll talk about that word in a minute. Uh, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation and the mystery that was kept secret since the world began, what's the mystery he's talking about? The gospel. the gospel, the salvation, the fact that you have a purpose in life and it's not just to live and be happy and die and hope that you did enough good works between point A and point B. Right? It's the fact that Christ made a way. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. They talked about Christ, but they didn't know exactly what it what it was. There were hints, right? But the mystery is made manifest, and Paul's like, I just like wrote you a sixteen chapter, which I know there weren't chapters then, but I just wrote you a big old long letter explaining it to you. It was a mystery, but now it's not, which was kept secret since the world began. But verse twenty six, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Verse twenty seven, he's like. It's all because of God. To God only lies, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. He's like, of everything I just said, you better understand that it had nothing to do with me and it was all because of God. If only every pastor would get this, right? And I'm not talking about here at HBF because I think for the most part, you know, we're pretty much in check, right? Uh, but there are places that it's like, man, if the pastor was to leave, the church would die right if if only every leader would understand ministry leader would understand that it only happens because of god you know if if only every you know just fill in the blank right you have to understand that it only happens because god lets it happen you know it, that it, i don't even there's a lot of things i want to say but like um everything that you do only happens because god allows it Right, that's just the, that's just the truth of the matter. He might be like, that seems a little over the top. Okay, I've been there, I've done that, I've bought the T-shirt, right? I've tried to kick against it. Like the only reason that anything ever happens in life is because God either allows it, right, or points it. You know, it's just the way that it is. And so He says, I want to back up to verse twenty-five, and we'll be done. So, I want you, so He's like, this is this. He wants to give it all to God, but here I want to make sure that you guys get this because. After all of the Book of Romans, right? You've learned a lot. You've heard a lot. You're like, you nah, now I got my salvation right, but now what do I do, right? You know, chapters twelve to sixteen. The first uh, eleven chapters of Romans are kind of like what God can do for you, but verses twelve to sixteen, it's kind of like now what can I do for God, right? He says, you know, just give me your whole life. That's what he says in verse twelve one and two. But anyway, he says, now to him that is a power to establish you. What does that mean? When he says to establish you, what do you, when you read that, what does that mean other than oh my gosh, that's a weird King James word establish? I mean that's true. Like when you're so if I was to say that I'm like I'm established in the word of God, what does that mean? Like steadfast. steadfast. Steadfast? Yeah, like I'm I'm firm. Like this is I am unmoved. You will not like there are things and you guys know me I'm not a super confrontational kind of guy. I don't I don't really like confrontation for the most part. But there are certain things and everybody has these in their life like you can only go so far, but it's like, okay, that's the hill I'm willing to die on. Like, you will not say that, you will not do that. Like, if somebody tries to say something about my wife, like, okay, that's not going to happen, right? That just won't happen. Like, we will, we will fight over this, right? <laughs> That's just how it is. You know, my kids. You know, as crazy as you know, they drive you sometimes. Like, you won't go there. My family. You know, there's certain things. The word of God. There are certain things that I am established on. You will not like. Not that I'm just willing to fight. I'm, I'm not at all, actually, right. I, I don't really like the idea of pain. So it's just like, like I hurt myself enough at work. You know, climbing around. We put we put a huge pole barn up in the last three weeks. It's like I'm not as young as I used to be, right? Hanging sixty foot trusses is not good. But anyway, so I, I am established on these things, right? Established, you're you're firm, right? And so the last thing I want to give you, and so we won't be done early, but we won't be done late. Three ways to be firm in the faith, right? And this is the last thing Paul says, right? He gives glory to God, but he says, you know, he says, to him that is of power to establish you, to make you firm in the gospel, three ways to be firm in the faith, Right? The first one, you got to receive the gospel, right? And these aren't right here out of the text, but I'm just these these are these are ways that I'm, I'm telling you. You want to be firm in the faith. You want to be established in the Word of God. You want to be established right on something that's solid. You know, they you know Jesus Christ Himself says, you know, build your house upon a rock, and He's not talking about Peter. You know, He says Peter, you know, upon you, I'm gonna, you know. Brian was just preaching about that last week. Go back and listen to it. it. Has nothing to do with you know you got to be Catholic to be saved. That's not what I'm saying. Anyway. Uh, you want to be established and be firm in the faith? You got to receive the gospel first. I don't know how many lost people want to try to tell you that, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm good with God," right? Come on now. Just give it a rest. Like I, I would rather you just live as lost. as you. I, I've told you guys this. Like if you're going to be saved, live like you're saved, right? If you're going to give your life to Christ, live like it. But if you're not, if you're going to toy around like, you know, you better have as much fun as you can right now. Like you better get it done now because this is all you're going to get, you know. To the guy who always wants to tell you, you know, I'm going to am party with my buddies in hell. Um, put your hand on a burner when you get home and tell me how much partying you're going to do because it's going to be like living in that. Like hell is a real place, and so that just drives me crazy. I'm going to party it up in hell with my buddies. Like, okay, right? If you're going to live for Christ, live for Christ, and if you're not, then don't. Like, but stop muddying the line. So you got to receive it. You to you want to be firm in the faith. Receive the gospel. The second thing. Now this is where it kind of starts getting up in people's grill. You need to heed to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, man. Too many times people are like, "Yeah, I'm living for Christ, right? I'm I'm saved." I'm like, oh. "Okay, I've, I've seen you. You've been around. You've heard some teaching of the Word of God, and you're not living like it." So you to receive the gospel. That's great. You better start living on what you're hearing, you know. And that's just the truth of it. Now I understand people trip and they fall. You know, they bust their teeth in a little bit, right? it's called backsliding there's only one way to get back and it's repent and get right back on You know that's just the way that it is so you need to receive the gospel you need to heed to the preaching and teaching of Christ and here's the third thing and some people are just like they don't want to do this but I'm telling you and I already said it once today God's work gets done in the church right here's your third thing you've got to be a part of the local church and if it's not this one then that's fine Right, I think this is a pretty good church, and it's not because of the people. or it's not because of uh, the pastors. It's because of the people, right? The people here get it. Like they're they're bought in, and, and they're doing the work. And that's I mean, this, is this the only good church? No, there's lots of them. Right? I, I'm not trying to like say that HBF like there's flaws here. There's not that many of them. The, there's not that many of them. You are correct. I'm just saying that that the the, the point is like you got to be a part of the local church. Too many times people are like, yeah, I'm saved, and I'm just going to go get it done on my own. I'm telling you, Lone Ranger, God gets His work done in the local church. He just does. He sends out people. He preaches and teaches the Word here. And I'm just telling you, like, you want to be established in the faith, you got to receive the Gospel. you got to heed to the preaching and teaching. you got to be a part of the church because God gets His work done in the church. And you might be like, well, I don't like the rules and regulations. That's fine. I don't really either. But I know that God gets His work done at the church. Right? And it's through the people who buy into it. So that's the book of Romans, right? The last thing I'll say, this is what Paul says in verse 27, to God only. The only reason anything that Paul's ever been able to do is because of God. Remember that in your life. The only reason that you actually got up this morning is because of God. He gave you the ability. All right, so let's pray. In a couple of weeks, we're going to do a review. I, I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to try to make it uh, kind of fun because we got a lot to kind of review. There's a lot happened in Romans, and so uh, we'll go from there. If you got any questions, uh, not just because you want to stump me, but just like questions like, "I don't," this doesn't really make sense, right? Ask me. You know, chapter seven, he talks like Dr. Seuss. I know somebody still got a question about that. Like, right? all right, so let's pray. We'll Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your Word, I uh, thank you for. Um, just your your revelation to the Apostle Paul uh, for just such an amazing uh, book on salvation uh, in the book of Romans and Lord I do pray that we are established in the faith uh, over anything else and Lord if we've got off track here or there uh, we don't Just get caught in uh, what we've done Or how far off we are But we would just uh, understand that There's only one way to get right And that's just to get back on uh, Lord, and just to serve you With everything that we've got While the time we've got left And uh, Lord, I do pray uh, That you would just uh, use The Passpoint class The Church at HBF uh, Lord, just to get your work done uh, While there's still time, Lord There's a reason that uh, We call ourselves uh, The Passpoint class And it's because we're past the point Of no return for Christ There is no going back to the old way uh, Because it just doesn't make sense anymore and so lord i do pray that uh you are uh, the way that we live uh from now uh, moving forward lord until jesus comes back and uh, lord i pray you preach through uh we speak through uh pastor doug this morning as he just talks about life on the field and uh, lord i pray that we would just uh, get something out of it and uh, lord just uh keep us safe as as we go out today send us out as lights in a dark world and uh, just get the honor and the glory from our lives and everything that we do Uh, i pray this all in christ's name amen Alright guys, uh, that's it. That's Romans. When you said that there was a guy-